this evening, Matthew chapter 9, in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, and uh, we're going to look at this passage, familiar passage to, to you tonight, I'm sure, but a passage I, I trust will be a, a, real, a real help to you. Matthew chapter 9, Christmas time is a wonderful time of the year. In our missionary work in northern and Arctic Canada, when you think of Christmas, you think of snow. And, um, and we have seen God do some wonderful things through the years. One year, we always have a Christmas banquet at Christmas time for our, not only our church family, but our banquets are always a very, very big evangelistic thrust. And we try to get as many lost folks to the banquets as we can. In one year, it was minus 41 without the wind during the day. And uh, we, uh, oh, we, um, we, we were cooking the food and preparing and getting the banquet ready. Our church folks were involved. And two hours before the banquet was to start, the electricity went out throughout the whole town. And we're in the middle of the cooking and, 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 and kind of uh, wondering what are we going to do and so we, I decided, we, we, we told everybody in our church, call everybody you've invited in one hour after the electricity comes on, come to, the, come to the banquet facility we rented and we'll have our Christmas banquet. And we didn't realize that electricity would be out for two hours, but it was. And, uh, and so an hour after the electricity came back on, 121 folks came to our Christmas banquet. Many of those lost people. And we always have a, we put on a, a Christmas play, the, the young people always do that, and then we present the gospel, preach the gospel, brief gospel presentation at the end of the play, and I'll never forget Gerald came that, that night, an unsaved man. His kids came to Bible camp that summer. I visited Gerald uh, several days after Bible camp. He had stacks of beer, ca- empty cases of beer on his porch, and his porch was kind of unkept, and his house was... Uh, not not a whole lot to, to look at, and you could just tell this is maybe a little bit of a rough place. And Gerald comes to the door, and and he was rough, all right. <laughs> I thanked him for for letting his two kids come to Bible camp, and I, I said, Gerald, I just want to invite you out to church, and I want to give you a gospel track from our church, and that was all I got out. He did not let me say anything else. He he just let me know that, that that was good enough, and he shut the door, and that was the end of it. But you know, I, I, I had a burden to reach uh, Gerald there. There was something about Gerald. I, well, I, I felt I, I, my heart was going out to the kids, having an unsaved dad, an unsaved mother, and, and uh, I knew how they lived, and, and I just I wanted to see him get saved. I just wanted to... I just wanted to see him reach for Christ. And four months went by. It didn't go by, but our Christmas banquet came, that, that minus 41 one. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I said, Gerald, I just want to invite you out to our Christmas banquet. It's next week, and I, I hope you and your family can come. That's all I said. And he did not say what, what he would do, but uh, I just left it at that. And he came to that Christmas banquet. For the, 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 the next six months... Gerald never missed a Sunday morning service. Unsaved, but he, he, he enjoyed coming. I encouraged him to come. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he heard that preaching every Sunday morning. And six months later, he did get saved. And his wife got saved. And, uh, 
and uh, we just have a lot of memories that around Christmas time, we, we've just seen God work at that particular time of the year. It's, it's the shortest, one of the problems, it's, it's, it's our, our shortest day of the year, December 21st, and sun comes up about 1030, sets about three in the afternoon, and, and, and folks... Uh, they're, they're pretty bored by December. <laughs> They'll come to anything. <laughs> but anyway, so don't, don't feel too sorry for us. Sometimes those, those elements and that, that, that rough weather can actually be a blessing. <laughs> Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And I'm going to read verse 37 as well and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. My heart's always moved when I read this passage. A lot of truth here. Before we look at this, let, let's pray. Father, help us tonight, Lord. Help Berean Baptist Church and the church family here. Father, help them to, to, to understand how thankful we are for them, for their prayer, their support, their encouragement. Lord, help them to understand that tonight and help them to understand, Lord, as we showed the slides and the, the pictures, Lord, help them to help it to be real to them, Lord, as to they really have had a part in uh, everything that's gone, gone, gone on up there for, for you. For you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be now with the preaching, Lord, bless this time. Help, Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate each one of our hearts and that would, we would be honest with you, Father, tonight. And, Lord, let's just help us to be open to your word. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to leave this place uh, closer to you. If there'd be one that's not saved, Lord, help them to, to get saved tonight. And, Lord, Christians, I pray that you would help each one of us that are saved to be a better Christian, and, uh, and live uh, closer to you as a result of tonight, Lord. I pray that you just bless. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 35 and verse 36, we, we see Jesus here the way that we see Jesus in other places in the Gospels. And that is, he's seen a multitude... And I believe when Jesus saw the multitudes, he also saw individuals in, in, those, in the multitudes. And he was moved with compassion. That is what motivates myself as a missionary, our family as a missionary family. Is when we see Jesus saw that the multitudes, they were fainting. They, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus saw the results of sin in, in lost people's lives. He saw how they were scattered when they would reject the truth of the Word of God. And they would follow the Pharisees and they would follow the Sadducees. And, and they, would, they were religious, but they were lost. And, 
And, and, and then he would see how that they were fainting and how they lived their lives. And, and in our mission field, God's called us to, we see the drunkenness so many times around us. Helen, when she was five years of age, one of our daughters would always end her prayer like this. She'd say, and Lord, help the drunks not to get me. And I would be right there with her prayer, <laughs> let me tell you. And, and I, when I, I see the broken homes and I, the pornography and the immorality and all the, all the stuff that goes on in those villages, when I see that and I see how the people live and how the children are totally neglected, many of them being reared by grandparents and grandparents themselves are drunk most of the time. I've, I've worked with Indian teenage boys uh, got them out overnight on, in the bush, and they could not start a fire because they'd never been taught, my parents and grandparents, because, uh, because of the alcohol and this uh, total selfishness and the way, the way things are up there. And, and I see all that, and my heart goes out, uh, heart of compassion goes out to them. They need Christ. They need the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They need to be saved. We have led young people to Christ at our Bible camps that died before they were out of their teen years. Uh, not this Bible cover, but the one I had before this, uh, made out of caribou hide. Mrs. Legere made this, the first Bible cover I ever had. She was a grandmother raising two sons, Jonathan, and I don't remember Jonathan's brother's name, but... But they came to camp every year, and they trusted Christ as their Savior, came to our, our church, and they were in the reserve they were from, Fond du Lac. And uh, one, one night in Fond du Lac, in the home they were in, there was a big fight. Shots were fired, and Jonathan was killed uh, in, in the home he was at, just innocently. The other boy, when he was in Prince Albert, as he had, had got older, <clears throat> hit by a car down there. And, uh, and was killed. And, and when I see these things, and we, we know so many people that get frostbitten, and, and then gangrene sets in, and the hands are cut off, the, the doctors have to s- sever limbs in order to stop the gangrene from spreading. And, and, uh, and then, you know, they, they get to the end of their life, and, and, and they, they have no hope of, of eternity and heaven. And, oh, my heart goes out with compassion. Compassion. Yet... I've known missionaries in northern Canada who've lost their compassion because things happen to their own family. They get broken into. Things get stolen. Things happen to their family members, sometimes horrible things. And, and, and in time, and over a period of time, uh, I've known missionaries that literally lose their heart for the, the very people that God's called him, them to, because they allow those, those things that have happened to, to make them bitter and, and, and to, to cause them to lose that love and heart of compassion uh, for them. Jesus always had compassion, always, always had compassion on the multitudes, on lost people. And when he saw their lost condition and the results of their sin, that, that, always, that always caused the Lord Jesus Christ to, to have a compassion. And I know God is love, I understand that, but, but 
when Jesus Christ looked upon lost multitudes, his heart was moved with, with compassion, with love. And, you know, sometimes, have you ever moved? Have you ever had a neighbor that uh, you sort of wish they'd move? <laughs> well, the man you saw on the slides there, Archie, by that little hunting cabin, he was our neighbor. He was antagonistic to us. He gave us a rough time as a family. Oh, boy, he would give us a rough time. He'd beat up his wife, Mary, now saved. And, man, he'd come home, drive his truck home drunk, and he'd use the fence that he had to stop his truck sometime. It didn't have brakes. And, and God didn't put me, God didn't give Archie to me as my neighbor so I could pray for him that, that he would move. God put Archie next to me as my neighbor so I would pray for him that he'd get saved, that he could be reached for Christ. Oh, we prayed for Archie, and he'd give us a bad time. And there were times when I wanted to pray, Lord, could you move Archie? But I knew that that was not a heart of compassion. (laughs) I knew that God was wanting me to reach Archie for Christ. And uh, he's a saved man tonight, and... And I praise the Lord for that, as Mary saved it. How's your compassion? You know, sometimes you go and you witness, tell folks about Christ, and maybe you don't see folks saved. You know, when we first moved to northern Canada, it took us one year before we saw anybody saved. And uh, the two teenage boys we led to Christ, Derek and Daryl, they avoided me like a plague in that first year. I mean, they didn't want anything to do with me. And we kept praying for them, and every opportunity I'd try to speak with them, and they, they just would want any, didn't, didn't want any part with me. But a year, one year after one year, we were passing out Bible verses and picture frames. And Derek came by and said, could I have one of those to, to take to my grandmother for Christmas? I said, you sure can, Derek. Take as many as you need. And... Uh, I said, Derek, we have a youth activity in our house every Friday night. I want you to come. We did have a youth activity every night at Friday night at our house, but my oldest daughter, Rachel, was 13. She's the only one that came the whole year. (laughs) But we had an activity for her. We really did. I said, Derek and Daryl, I want you guys to come. And for whatever reason, they came that Friday night. I mean, they avoided us like a plague that whole year, but they came. And uh, shortly after that, they trusted Christ as their Savior. We took those boys to Uranium City with us. Got them in, we made a little boys' home for them and, and got them on their own. They're in their middle 30s now. And uh, love the Lord, we communicate with them still. We had to have compassion on those boys when they hated us. <laughs> when they didn't want any part of us. We had to have compassion on them. Love them and not give up on them and... And uh, how's your compassion for lost people? Do you have enough compassion to pass out a gospel tract, to, to, to open your Bible and give, give, and give the gospel to people and pray for them? And folks that you may think never, will never get saved, do you give up on them? Or do you have a heart of compassion that, that keeps you praying for them and looking for opportunities to keep giving them the gospel? Verse 37 then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
the laborers are few. And I believe that, that certainly applies to missions, the mission fields around the world. That's certainly true in our work. We, we have opportunities that we turn down all the time because we don't have the, the personnel. We, we just can't do it all. And that's true in local churches as well. Laborers are few. Particularly laborers when it comes to witnessing and giving out the gospel. Telling others, others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Those laborers are few are few. There's many Christians that have never, ever opened their Bible one time and showed somebody from the Word of God how to be saved, the plan of salvation, the gospel. Many a Christian is not willing to be that kind of a laborer. And uh, I'm so thankful that when I grew up, I, I grew up in a church that they taught us in the youth group. We, we, my youth director, they, they, he spent time, Brother, Brother Bentley, Lynn Bentley, he spent time teaching us young people how to witness and how to, how to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for that. I thank the, burden, I thank the Lord for the burden he had for us teenagers to, to witness to folks and the laborers are few in this area. And have you ever wondered why? Why are, why are the laborers so few? Didn't say at the end of the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. I want to give you perhaps a reason. Exodus chapter 3 in your Bibles this evening. Exodus chapter 3, we see uh, Moses here being called by God to be a laborer, if you will, in Exodus chapter 3. And uh, we see the calling of Moses in Exodus 3. I'm just going to read verse 4. You're familiar with the story, I'm sure most of you. The burning bush and God comes to Moses here just in verse 4, Exodus 3. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I, here am I. That's a familiar little phrase right there, those three little words, here am I. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I, I remember saying those words to the Lord. At a missions conference our church had, I remember coming forward to one of the services after this preaching and, and saying as a teenager, Lord, here am I. Lord, I want to be used of you. I surrender my will, my life to you, and Lord, here am I. And Moses says, here am I. But I found out many years later, I did not really understand what here am I really means, what it really entails. We see now in verse 10, uh, Moses, God's call upon Moses here, what, what the details are about the call. Verse 10, come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children out of Israel out of Egypt. And so here God come, comes to, to Moses and says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want to, you to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt, to the promised land. Kind of a job description. And we see the reaction of Moses, verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
It's as if Moses had his own list. Moses had maybe a list of things he was willing to do for God, wanted to do for God, and it was as if what God wanted was not on the list that Moses had. I can relate to that. When I was 27 years old, third year of Bible college, I was really praying, Lord, where do you want me to serve as a missionary? I'd had a desire to be a missionary since grade four. It was in my Sunday school class that a missionary family came and talked to us young kids, uh, uh, fourth graders. And from that day on, my interest and desire for missionary work grew. And, and I wanted to, to be a missionary, but a missionary approached me from, from Baffin Island in, in the high Arctic. And he presented his field to me. And he said, Mark, he said, you need to consider going to northern and Arctic Canada as a missionary. The needs are great there, and the need for aviation is there. And, and I didn't want to go. It was a mission field that was not on my list. I mean, I wanted to go to South America, Africa. I wanted to go to other, other mission fields, but northern and Arctic Canada, that was not on my list. And uh, I found out that being a here am I Christian is trusting in God's choice and not my own choice. And I had to come to a point where I said, Lord, I'm now willing to do your choice for my life. Even though I don't understand it, I was born and raised in La Mesa, California, moved to Sacramento at, at age, uh, in sixth grade and lived there till 20 through 23 years of age. The only time I was out of this state was to go to Phoenix, Arizona in the summertime. <laughs> And the Lord is, 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 is speaking to me and laying on my heart and burdening me and, and urging me to northern Canada, Arctic Canada. There's great need there. And, and, I, and, and I said, no, Lord, no. But finally, I said, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do your choice and not my choice. And another thing we see about Moses in chapter 4, if you would, verse 10, we see some other things about Moses, chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Another thing that being a here am I Christian is, is trusting in God's power and in enabling and not your own strength and your own abilities. Because when I saw Northern Antarctic Canada, I didn't see myself there. I saw an individual that, that would just, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do in the cold weather. <laughs> and and the, the native folks, and I, I just said, Lord, I don't think that's me. But I had to also be willing to trust in God's enabling and God's strength. To be, that would allow me to do His choice for my life. And, you know, it was when I finally said, okay, Lord, I'm trusting your choice and your power, your strength, your enabling. Four months after that, the uh, Cessna Skymaster is a picture of it back there. Cessna 337 was, was donated to us for use in northern Canada. Your church gave us $1,000 initially for that airplane and that project uh, back there, and, and it was 1985. And we have seen God enable, give strength, empower, and just give us everything we need. And I'm not talking just monetary. I'm talking about all the, all the other abilities we need. The ability to speak, 
The ability to be able to divide the Word of God with the native people and all of those things. The ability to be able to deal with the, the weather and the climate, the cold and, and the, 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 uh, the short, short uh, night, uh, days and, 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 and the long days during the summer and all that. The laborers are few because I believe there's many a Christian that is never willing to be a real genuine here, am I Christian, willing to do God's choice, trusting God's power, strength, enabling. I believe that's why a lot of Christians never witness, never tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not willing to do what God wants them to do. And uh, can I be honest with you this evening? Most folks I lead to Christ have heard the gospel more than once. Rudy LaRock, that man with that big fish, when I was going through the plan of salvation with Rudy, he sounded like he'd heard this before and all. And I said, Rudy, you sound like you've, you've, somebody's taken you through the plan of salvation before and, and spent some time with you with the Word of God. He said, yes, my sister's been witnessing to me for five years. He would not be one. I would never want him to the Lord if it had not been for his sister praying for him and witnessing to him for those five years. It makes a difference when every Christian is a real witness for Christ and, uh, and, and, and pass out tracts and those kind of things. The laborers are few. And so, are you a here or my Christian? Are you a here my Christian? Are you willing to do what God's choice is for your life and trust Him for the ability to do His choice? Let's pray. Father, help us tonight, Lord. I pray that you'll help us to be a surrendered people, a tender people, Father, open to what you would have for us. And Lord, sometimes we do look at our abilities and lack of them, Father, and we we say no to you, Lord, and help us to realize and understand tonight and be willing to trust in your enabling, your strength that you give us to do exactly what you would have us to do. Lord, if there's one here this evening that does not, is not a witness and does not tell others about you, and for whatever reason, Lord, help them to, to be a witness for you, a testimony for you. Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives and with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know about you. I'm going to turn the invitation over to your pastor. But I trust you'll, you'll have a tender heart and, and be open to what God would have for you tonight. Pastor.